Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, we're going to take one look back at the night in Philly, the film review, the key data points that went for and against Miami, a snap count review, and hearing from head coach Mike McDaniel and his day after press conference from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. In-season hard knocks, Miami Dolphins 2023, pretty dang cool. Looking forward to that. Going to be a lot of good content that comes off of that, of course. I believe every Tuesday night covering this team. And maybe after the way things went in Philadelphia and the league having two previous hard knocks appearance teams in the Arizona Cardinals, who were basically like eliminated by Thanksgiving and made a product not really worth watching, and the Colts, who collapsed prior to the playoffs back in 2021, maybe we can get some of the calls in our favor to ensure they get some playoff hard knocks. Good idea, right? I think they'll get it anyways, but just kind of the optimist in me thinking there, the Dolphins are going to be on in-season hard knocks after the bye week. Uh, One quick note here before we jump into the All-22 tape. I I just noticed this this morning when I was thinking about how few plays the Dolphins ran and how infrequently they had the football. They had eight possessions in that game last night. Punt, field goal, punt, touchdown, punt, Turnover on downs, interception, turnover on downs. That's three possessions fewer than the league average per game per team. So consider that when you think about um, 10 points is never good. I'm going to just get that out in front right now, and I'll tell you why they only scored 10 points here in the breakdown. But eight possessions, that's that's tough living. Defense has to find a way to get off the field faster. Like I thought that was a good game for the defense, but you make it hard for the offense to score a lot of points when you don't get any three and outs and well, actually, you know what? They got takeaways and they scored, so I take that back. I, I take that back. But the two long drives in the fourth quarter, those those were the killers. So the big play breakdowns, Tua, the Tyreek for a 27-yard touchdown. It starts the quarterback, right? First, the footwork is clean, and you won't see that same situation on the pick he threw. Not clean footwork there, but clean hitch up, one hitch timing, chuck it down the field. Heels don't click, not crossing our feet. Just a clean operation altogether, and quite honestly, the work to hold the middle of the field safety is irrelevant because the inside bracket safety is not even looking at Tua. And you get that on bracket coverage. You're just covering the man. Hey, if Tyreek tries to go inside, don't let him go inside. And he's focused on not letting Tyreek cross his face. And the great part about this is this is an answer to teams taking away our bread and butter action. That glance route, that dagger route, all the stuff over the middle of the field. He's squatting on the dagger and Tyreek has produced hundreds of yards on that route this season. And then the fantastic, just ridiculously drippy stutter release to widen the corner. He slow plays it, which helps Tua get into his timing further, right? It kind of condenses the, or I guess creates more space for Tua to throw into a condensed part of the field where he can out throw the end zone from that spot. So give your quarterback more time. But the way he slow paces that stutter release outside, you see the cornerback widen and that creates that gap for him to then just That was my accelerator, F1 driving, uh, books, 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 off the rails already. But Tyreek just running straight line down the red line that you would see on a practice field with that full acceleration after widening that corner and just basically erasing that middle of the field safety. And Tua lets this thing go on one hitch timing when when Tyreek is at the 20-yard line. It reminds me Tua does 
of the old Russell Wilson deep balls. Just put it out there, tons of air under it, and let your guys go and catch it. He catches it exactly five yards deep in the end zone. He didn't squeeze him up against the back pylon. He didn't throw him short and have to come back and make a contested catch. He didn't put him on the sideline. He just threw it right over that outside shoulder, away from the over-the-help top, up over the underneath coverage. An elite throw, elite release, elite catch, and the pass pro. You get Durham Smythe locking up Brandon Graham one-on-one. We talked about Graham having a little bit less juice in the tank, and so when Durham Smythe is matching up with you, good on Durham, but you have to win those matchups as a pass rusher one-on-one. That leaves Kendall Lamb to pick up a blitzing linebacker, which he does. Lester Cotton had his best rep of the night in this one, one one-on-one versus a condensed inside Josh Sweat. He wins that matchup. Now, Carter, Jalen Carter whips Eichenberg, but Tua throws it right before he gets hit, so there was color flashing in his face as there was all night long. That's the one loss we had was Carter on Eichenberg, a common theme in this game. And Austin Jackson shuts down Fletcher Cox, and you get a massive touchdown that changes the course of the game at that point. Our next big play, two on defense. Chubb forced fumble, Wilkins recovery on the Eagles' second drive of the game. And the key here was a key all night with good rush lane integrity to help make this play happen. Miami has just a four-man rush on this play and drops eight into coverage. And Devontae Smith actually comes free on the dig route where he crosses over the middle of the field and Javon Holland's on his back and doesn't really have space to, to kind of run with him over the middle of the field. But the Dolphins reset the line of scrimmage with bull rushes across the board and Hertz has to kind of tuck the football and find clean space in the pocket to operate from. Then Miami just outworks the Eagles offensive line. We had guys kind of quit on the play quite frankly but Chubb keeps playing and goes and gets a hand in the football JP gets his hand across the ball as well it does go in the books for uh, Chubb but JP had a hand on that shoulder of Hertz as well and then Christian great job falling on the football there big takeaway wish we could have cashed in with a touchdown but nonetheless Dolphins tie the game after a big takeaway on the Eagles second drive and then their second takeaway of the night just their third pick of the year goes back for six the other way and ties the football game late in the third quarter. Everyone's feeling good at this point. And I think that this play was just good team football. It's RPO action, run pass option. Miami literally has a man in every gap in the correct leverage position you want them to be with Wilkins, Raekwon, Sealer, Gink. They all win their leverage. Chubb comes clean and wipes out Swift, the running back. Cater blitzes with a free run in Jalen Hurts' face. And frankly, I'm not sure where he's throwing it because Long... David Long gets over a natural rub route on slant flat and he's all over it. And then Javon Holland is closing in on the, on the AJ Brown route too. Maybe he's throwing the ball away. I'm not sure, but Cater swats it. It lands right in Jerome Baker's bread basket. Johnny on the spot sprints in for six. You love to see it. And with that, it's time for Travis's my top five tapes of the game. We start with the linebacker position with David Long. And this tape was the guy that I scouted with the Tennessee Titans over the course of the offseason. What a game he played on Sunday night. Just outstanding effort, beating blocks of guys much, much larger than he is with both quickness and physicality. He was initiating the contact and, and the uh, just engaging the blocks more so than the offensive line most of the time. And he and Jerome Baker played so well in tandem together. In fact, one of the best tandem off-ball linebacker games I would say the Dolphins have had since... Jack Thomas, maybe? It's been a long time. Long time since you got that good linebacker play. There was a DeAndre Swift run in the mid-red zone on the first drive where Long slips past a Jordan Mailata block. If you don't know about Jordan Mailata, he's about 780 pounds. He's about 9 feet 2 tall. A tough guy to get around. And he gets around him with really good quickness, just kind of slips off the block. And then Jerome Baker comes over the top of that, presses that block, and then Dallas Goddard, because of those guys causing a a pileup of sorts, tries to come in and split flow and wipe them both out and whiffs 
and that allows Jerome Baker to step in and fill in for the run stuff right there. So they had that kind of stuff working consistently throughout the night. A big reason why Miami allowed less than 100 yards rushing on the ground on 34 carries against this vaunted Eagles attack. He also impacted the game as a blitzer. That tipped pass he had was just more downhill speed to the quarterback where he saw it and went. And then in coverage, the long ball that Cater defended and nearly picked off, I think it was in the second quarter. He has a vertical stem down the middle, but he recognizes the safety coming over to help. So he's playing more instinctively in tune to the rules of the defense, passes it off to the safety, then immediately jumps out into the deep curl flat area, which is the underneath portion of the potential route that A.J. Brown could run. So that gives Cater Kohu the freedom to know, I don't have to take the cheese on this double move. I can stay patient and stay off and get vertical. He does. They try it deep, and he's there to make a play on the football and break it up. So good team defense, but David Long all over the field. Four stops in the game, two pressures on just three blitz reps, a pass breakup, and allowed 12 yards on 20 coverage snaps. He gets my top tape of the week against the Philadelphia Eagles. Tape number two. Tua Tungavailoa. Man, he made some big-time throws in terms of situation, down and distance, what the defense gave him, and most of them on third and long plays as well. He threw a third and seven corner route to Jalen Waddell against what looked to me like cover eight, which is a variation of man to one side, zone to the other side of the formation, and the side he attacked had a cloud corner, a guy that's playing zone and getting depth and kind of keying the eyes of the quarterback with half field safety help. So akin to what we talked about with David Long and Cater Kohu on the previous snap, they have that coverage. And that is the definition of an NFL throw in the honey hole against that two, two-man zone look there. I think you want to high-low that thing. Corner-flat combo that pulls the cloud corner down and holds that curl-flat defender closer to the line of scrimmage opposed to getting depth. But for whatever reason, Raheem Mostert winds up right next to Jalen Waddell and I think actually makes the throw look even better because he had to layer it over that cloud corner who never should have been there in the first place, right underneath the half-field safety. That's a big-time throw, and it kind of got going for two from there. The next big-time throw was the very next third down on that same drive uh, for, for six points, but waved off on a holding call by Lester Cotton. Two his hands separate on this throw before Tyreek even makes the break inside, which is... Every damn week we say this. He's at the five-yard line. The ball meets him three yards into the end zone right on top of the helmet. An absolute dot, but again, it's coming back. And what's funny about that holding call was it was a hold, but it was the exact same hold they didn't call on David Long when he shot that gap for potential big run stuff early in the game as well. Back to Tua, I just think we've seen him do so many things this year you've been told that he cannot do, like the throw on the rail route to Tyreek to the perimeter, where if he throws that ball three inches inside of where it was, it's probably a pick six by Darius Slay, who has a nickname for making big plays like that, Big Play Slay, and he tried to jump it, but the ball was just a little bit too far outside, right on the money, and he's gassing these throws up with more velocity than I've ever seen him throw with personally. There were some no-look throws as well, some more master manipulation, putting the Dolphins in scoring range before the first half. Then they do strike gold, but we already broke that play down for you guys, the deep shot that Tyreek for a touchdown. So we move on here to, you know, the play before that, actually. The, the quarterback, you know, when was the last time the Dolphins had a quarterback that you felt like third and 18 wasn't the end of the drive? I'll tell you right now, it's been 24 years since old Danny Marino walked through those doors. I'm so impressed with Tua's accuracy as the game went on. Color kept flashing in his face. Pass rush kept getting through and beating guys on the interior offensive line, even on the long touchdown throw. Then a throw early in the third quarter where he fakes a toss sweep, sets his feet, and fires with Josh Sweat right in his face. And the ball once again is on the face mask of Tyreek Hill coming out of the break on that dagger route over the middle of the field. Really, prior to the pick, I didn't see any passes where he went outside of what I think are his 
progressions or structure of the offense. So he really played fundamental football. Some of the short stuff and checkdowns, we're running these vertical routes or crossing routes into these walled-off zones. And credit to Sean Desai, I thought the Eagles' defense kind of found something in this game that clicked for them in terms of their communication and really covering well in the back end to pair well with that pass rush they have up front. But Tua sees that, doesn't force it, avoids taking a big hit, checks it down, lives to fight another day. If we get that for 17 games from Tua, we're going to be just fine because his health is how far the season can go, right? But the Tyreek Hill drop, another world-class anticipation rip to him in space for a potential touchdown. Once again, color flashing right in his face. They ran games all night long, and we'll cover this on the offensive line portion that we just could not pick up and the left guard was Lester caught on this play oversets and winds up picking the man who's rushing on Kendall Lamb and just opens this free lane for Josh Sweat to loop in but once again Tua just plays in rhythm and again the hands separate before Tyreek even begins the break catches the football but then his knee collides with the ball and is what bumps it and sends it flying through the end zone for a mad scramble with some Benny Hill music there as he and both Braxton Berrios could not fall on the football. Incomplete pass. I loved the decision to go back shoulder on that fourth and three throw to Cedric Wilson because Bradbury was completely horizontal with the goal line. Like his nameplate was straight up to Tua's, or his back was to Tua's face, right? And so... You can't cover what's behind you. It's a perfect spot for a back shoulder throw. Puts it on the right spot. Cedric gets tackled by the face mask. Nothing you can do about that. I actually thought his worst throw before the interception was the first play of that drive on a glance route to Waddle that he did catch, but it was just on the back hip. And the more I watch other games and see how late quarterbacks are, like, you know, watching, uh, who was it the other night on Thursday Night Football? Gosh dang it, who played on Thursday? Oh, uh, Derek Carr was just late. Every damn throw was late. Um, Justin Herbert often so late on these reads and these, you know, trying to put the ball in these tight windows. And then on top of that, accuracy issues where balls are often on the back hip or on the wrong shoulder. Tua doesn't do that, but on this throw he did, and Waddle still caught it. So it's like we have one miss and we make the catch anyways. But then the second Tyreek drop, another absolute seed right back on his stuff, right on the face mask with a defensive back in close quarters, throws it well before the break. It's just commonplace with this quarterback right now. Like it does, it happens every single week, multiple times a week. He comes right back and drills a third and long rip to Jalen Waddle to move the chains. Very next play is the back shoulder completion to Cedric on the move. Throws pretty much the same ball he threw against Bradbury on the previous drive and puts it right on the money, on the move, just playing so well, so smooth. And how about another accurate throw after fielding a ground ball that gets rolled back to him, picks it up, throws for five yards. I just don't know what more you can ask of this dude. If we don't get top-shelf quarterback play in this game, and in Buffalo as well, which, you know, you lost by 28 and 14 points, it's funny to say. The game is a total laugher. Like, Miami is blown out by five touchdowns if they don't have, you know, a quarterback of Tua's caliber in this game, which is funny because all we ever hear about is how Tua is propped up by his teammates, but he really carried the offense that had no running game and couldn't block anybody from the center over to the left side of the line for most of the night. Then we finally get the bad play. It was defensive pass interference, but I don't think that changes the decision or the throw itself. Actually, I like the decision. He just made one mistake and put it short because he had pressure in his face and couldn't step into the throw, but he has to know that. He has to know what his limitations and what the circumstances were, but he made one mistake and he paid for it dearly. Also, running a stutter go with a wheel into the same area, that's not something you do by design on purpose. When Waddle flashes to the post, like he runs a double move back to the corner, like a, what is it called? A post corner is a, shoot, I forget the name of that. Anyway, post corner route and 
it Slay flips his hips to run inside to the other safety help. If he just keeps running that way, it's going to open up the back pylon for Raheem Mostert, who's going up against number 52. I think that's Nicholas Morrow, if I'm not mistaken, but the ball's underthrown. And if Slay's not there, I think the DPI call comes out, obviously, because it's one-on-one, a tackle job on the receiver. But with how this game was called, who the hell knows? But bad spacing, bad throw, bad no call, just bad all around. But if he plays like this on this stage, if we have our healthy complement of guys, if we clean up some of the mundane stuff that has plagued us, if we get a little bit more, even better officiating, you will start to win these games. I know it's easy to point to the quarterback in these spots, but this is one of the better tapes of the season. I would rank them as such. Chargers, Panthers, Patriots, Eagles, Broncos. I thought all five of those tapes were great, really good tapes. I thought Bills was good. I thought Giants was his worst right around average. So this quarterback's playing very, very well. And I, you know, he on passes 20 plus yards two for four 56 yards touchdown and a pick 10 plus yards nine for 14 150 yards touchdown and a pick when pressured he was three for eight with 38 yards and a touchdown so I'm not sure where Ben Solak is getting these numbers in terms of you know 16 passer rating that's not true at all also I love Ben but his evaluation is crazy because Tua was by far the better quarterback in this game especially from a processing standpoint and accuracy standpoint Hertz has the running stuff and the tush push which obviously helps but he was uh, blitzed just four times or five times sacked once went three for four with 27 yards so Tua is our second top tape our third top tape is Jerome Baker Dolphins linebacker I thought he processed and pursued as well as I've ever seen from him like in his entire career he was fantastic also thought he played a physical brand of football that you don't typically see from a guy at 230 pounds at linebacker he condensed he scraped he filled he made tackles I think he was often set up by the play of David Long and the two of those guys playing together just was fun to watch he had four stops and a pick six on defense my fourth top tape goes to Robert Hunt Uh, He was the one offensive lineman to me who physically dominated his matchups routinely in this game. When he needed to go get someone to go somewhere, like take him somewhere, he did that. He got displacement, got movement. He was able to hip toss Fletcher Cox on one Raheem Mostert run and throw him out of the club. He would find extra work in pass pro. Uh, allowed zero pressures in the game, able to get off double teams and climb up to the second level, which was not a frequency, a frequently occurring matter for this Dolphins offensive line in this game. Rob Hunt having a hell of a season, my fourth tape in this game. And my fifth top tape goes to Christian Wilkins. You can't wash over the neutral zone fouls. You just can't line up there, man. You can't do it. Uh, and I will wash over the ref and the passer call because it was a flop from the opposing quarterbacks. And only one of the back judges threw a flag, which to me, like they're both watching that what are we doing but otherwise he was really good he got doubled on almost every damn play and made a bunch of plays he and Raekwon and Sela were pivotal in holding Philadelphia to 98 rushing yards on 34 attempts very good game for the Dolphins in that standpoint he also took Lane Johnson for a ride and made him look silly a couple times he destroyed the right guard in a one-on-one pass protection opportunity on the one that Chubb hit Hurts on that you know, throwing while getting hit that wound up incomplete or wound up a completion to Devontae Smith. He shut down the run and had some pass rush wins quickly as well. Four pressures, one stop for Christian Wilkins in this game. Just on the periphery for me, Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, Zach Sealer, and Javon Holland all got consideration for top tapes from this game. Let's go ahead and take our first break right there and come back on the other side, do offensive notes. On the third side, we'll do defensive notes and snap counts and much more. That's next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. 
top five tapes in the books. Let's go ahead and talk about some offensive notes who did not make the top five tapes. And generally speaking, I mentioned it earlier, I thought Sean Desai really uncovered his defensive identity in this game in terms of the physicality, but also just good communication on the back end. Had some great calls, those little traps on speed outs to, you know, take away those slot routes that we would throw winning leverage in the running game we just got beat in a lot of those areas that's all it really comes down to man like that and they matched our quickness off the ball in the front but brought more power than we could withstand we couldn't execute some of the blocks we have this year that sets up the running game and the run game's inability to get going I think impacted our ability to throw the football they just got beat and hopefully it's a good thing to have on tape and frankly they won't see a team the rest of the year who's better up front unless they go back to the Super Bowl and see this team or the 49ers for that matter on either side of the ball, really offensive line as well. We already did two in the top five tapes. Let's go ahead and get to the eligibles. And I thought that Smythe and Mostert were frequently on the wrong page. In fact, the tight ends in general, Hill and Smythe, not their greatest games, but them sealing blocks to cut back inside and Mostert bouncing like that happened a couple of times. And you know, a five-yard tackle for loss in the opening drive, get you way behind the chains. Raheem just had a bad night, man. Those routes that kind of got, you know, mixed up in multiple spots, not great in pass pro, not his best running effort. He had one really nice run. I thought Ahmed had a rough game as well. Indecision, slow at times. Also, make a play on that rail throw, man. Like, that was a good ball from Tua. We got to go up and make that catch. Uh, other eligibles, I thought Waddle, I mentioned he was on the periphery. He had a... I think he ran, ran the wrong route, but I can't confirm, so I don't want to knock him too much for it. But other than that, the tough third down catch on the field goal drive is an example of his route running prowess. He has to win inside to create that space on the corner route, and he does it. He sells it inside. Both he and Tyreek are so good at beating the leverage that's built to stop them from getting to that spot. Nobody else on this team is close in that regard, and most guys across the league are not close in that regard. But he he gets that space by pressing the safety to keep him off the pylon and then breaks it out without rounding the route to kind of, you know, not make it, oh, he's going to run that route here. Like, it's all so sudden it happens quickly, and the quarterback sees that the defensive back cannot react. He looked fast. Even coming back from the back injury that knocked him out, he caught the ball cleanly, including one tough glance route that was well behind him, and he blocked his ass off. Good game for Jalen Waddle. I thought Cedric Wilson's route on the 29-yard completion was fantastic, and I think there's something brewing here with Cedric Wilson as kind of a nice role piece beyond the guys that have carried the heaviest loads in this offense. He thwarts a reroute, dummies to the post that turns Slay all the way around in the spin cycle, then whips it back out to the perimeter and makes a tough contested catch on a ball high because he angled back to the football. Good stuff from Cedric Wilson. On the offensive line, we had some issues. I thought you could tell it was a new line combination from left tackle all the way through center. They they had some simulated pressures with mugging up in the A-gaps from linebackers, and it would cause like an overset or a jump set or indecision that would put us in spots where we're kind of on our heels against these quick, powerful pass rushers. Gosh, Philly is nice in the middle, man. And much like that, you know, that's that's the death for the opposing defense against our offense with all that action. It's the same for Philly. If you get one false step, one position out of place, all the games they run, they're too big, too strong, too quick to have a half step advantage. And I thought that happened with regularity in this game, particularly off the left side of the offensive line. It happened a lot on our toss action or outside action. We just could not cut off those reach blocks we've been hitting all year. Like Connor Williams, you know, when a one technique is outside of him and he has to get outside that shoulder, he's so good at that. When you lose that, it's a key element to this offense. 
I think this is a much different game if you have your line because the lost blocks we had from 66 and 74 to me was the difference often between success and failure in the running game. And then from there, the passing game kind of flows off of that, right? I think we would have had more chances to neutralize their front and pass rush situations had we had more success in the running game. So those two losses were critical, man. And finally, I think the bigger issue is we all had to call so many max protects to kind of mask those you know, true pass set issues we had. And this isn't that uncommon with a healthy offensive line, but there were a lot of two and three man route combos where there's just nothing there for Tua. And we have to run it that way to make sure he's not getting hit and getting killed. Cause quite frankly, I come out of this game just happy that Tua's still upright because the way those, those guys played against that front, Tua never took a bad hit, which was the best thing possible. And also, I don't know the mechanics of the plan to be able to give you a correct take on this, but there were some instances of guys not coming off the snap at the right time. Like the first drive on that third down throwaway towards the end of it, Austin is super late to get off the snap, and that's all uh, Hassan Reddick, I almost said JJ Reddick, needed to beat him off the edge because there wasn't like a synchronicity in the timing of the snap. And finally, I thought they were late to disconnect from doubles at the point of attack. There's a Savan Ahmed run where the two linebackers of Philly are clean with free runs down either A-gap, and Ahmed works off a seal and runs right into a defender. And it looked to me at first like he chose the wrong gap, but upon further review, you just can't have clean backers awaiting you on either side. There's no win there for the running back. That's going to make running the football very tough. I thought Austin Jackson... You know, he lost the edge on that first third and long play where he's laid off the snap that gets a speed rusher around him. But damn it, man, he was in tune with the snap count. He played at a high level when he was. Continuously drew last year's NFL sack leader in Hassan Reddick and kept him at bay in a lot of one-on-one reps. He's done a great job in that regard since Teron Armstead went down. And he's been asked to do more one-on-one work. Allowed one pressure, a hurry. What a great night for Austin Jackson again. He needs a new contract. Lester Cotton got beat on the third play of the game. There was a holding call. That his holding call was a hold, but again, exact same holding call that didn't get called on David Long. False start before the 29-yard Cedric Wilson play, but to his credit, he bounced back and dominates the next rep and puts Carter on the ground to give us a big 30-yard completion. On the Tyreek touchdown, he absorbed power from Josh Sweat then redirected to shut that down a second time. So the two big plays, he had his best reps, but other than that, it was, it was tough sled. And on Tua's pick, he gets walked right into Tua's lap and has to have Tua throw off his back foot as a result. That's the reason he didn't get any drive in the football. Four pressures and a QB hit. Uh, Kendall Lamb, three pressures and a sack. Liam Eichenberg, just one pressure. But I'm going to tell you right now, come back, Connor. Like, the snap issues in terms of getting them off at the right time, that's got to be on a new center. Big part of several run failures. First and goal on that field goal drive is a touchdown if he just gets off the block and catches the second part of the catch and climb at the linebacker, but he is late and turns and tries to reach back and grab him. He, you know, he drives the double team three steps before finally peeling off and just watches Nicholas Morrow go fill his gap while Raheem is forced to peel back into an unblocked man off the edge. Go watch him on the Tyreek touchdown, just gets chucked aside to put pressure into his face. And here's why we lost offensively. I thought bad connectivity on the left side of the offensive line, could not decipher matchups, had no clue on games, couldn't hit reach blocks we normally do, got overpowered and outquicked, had too many operational errors, and then the key drops and bad decisions on the pick, and of course the horrible officiating. No chance to win with that combination of things, even when your quarterback played awesome, but like 
five of those seven things are Connor Williams is the fix. That's all there is to it. Interesting statistical note here that I think tells you how much closer this game was in the final score. Dolphins had 5.1 yards per play, which is not great, but the Eagles had 5.2, which is also not great. Miami 4 for 11 on third down, Philadelphia 4 for 12. Now they did get the fourth downs and 10 penalties compared to zeros, a big change. Otherwise, pretty even game. Let's take a break right there and come back on the other side and tell you about the defensive notes and the snap count totals and kind of a forest for the tree situation I'm looking at right now. That's all next Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Film review, Eagles, Dolphins fall to 5-2, 31-17 score on defense. The Eagles hit some good route combinations that challenged our rules and I thought created some busting coverage. On the first drive, they hit Dallas Goddard on a deep over, the first play after his long catch and run where Eli Apple just jogs after him. And you see Baker pick it up and pass it off, and as he starts to cross the formation and hashes, I can't know this for certain, but I'm pretty sure that Bake is supposed to carry that vertical and pass it off horizontal. But because they ran Smitty on a little drag route under that to give him a layers look, David Long then clamps down on that and Goddard springs free. We talk about our design all the time. Other teams do it too, and they did a good job of it right here. And to that point, the well-timed screen for that Goddard touchdown, but gosh, I can't get over that sequence, man. You go from third and 10 at the 35-yard line to first and 10 at the 20 because of Wilkins roughing. That's rough. That should have been a potential field goal or punt opportunity there. Maybe even a turnover on downs. Who knows? But you never get a chance to see it. Up front, some notes here. Raekwon Davis, I thought, got off blocks and reset the line of scrimmage better than he has all year long. couple of run stuffs that would create some chances for our guys. Had good hand placement. Didn't play too high like it typically happens. Winning the reset portion of the rep. Like, good job by Raekwon Davis. I thought uh, Jalen Phillips had a good showing and a a more prominent role in this one. Thought he played really strong edge all game that really helped the performance of the linebackers we saw. Split some double teams. Beat some blocks for some big collisions. Got that sack. I thought he had one bad rep and it was costly. He jumped inside on an outside contained play by Jalen Hurts where he got out of the pocket, threw to A.J. Brown for the big completion that was originally ruled a touchdown, brought back to the one-yard line. They score a play later. But at the last moment, he just jumps inside. Hurts sees it immediately and flees to his right, his most dangerous spot on the field. But he had four pressures and five stops to Jalen Phillips. Bradley Chubb, it's seriously been a that kind of year for Chubb. Like the forced fumble, awesome. But he damn near had an even more impactful play on the Eagles drive that made the game 17-3 to in the second quarter. He had a diabolical pass rush. After a gritty rundown win on first down, he then draws Mylotta one-on-one in an empty set. That's what you get when you win your rundowns. He throws a cross chop. The inside arm goes over the outside arm of the tackle to swipe him down, then hooks him and holds him there to use the leverage of Mylotta to corner into Hertz. He hits Hertz at the top of the throw. The ball turns into a pot fly into the infield. Baker gets a hand on it, but then Smith catches the deflection. I mean, literally, we saw this later in the game. The ball bounces one more foot inside. Baker has another pick, maybe a second touchdown too. For Chubb, seven pressures, two sacks, three stops. Great game for him. Uh, second level, off-ball linebackers, both made top five tapes, so no conversation there. In the secondary, Eli Apple, they got him turned around on comebacks and hitches all night, and I get it. Their vertical game is where they bury you, and it's very tough to stay with Smitty when he's pressing the gas full throttle, then slams on the brakes and has that insane catch radius. They caught us on a mesh a couple of times, some natural rub routes, including that first drive with the big hitter to Goddard. 
But man, you have to run after the football. Go get it. Nothing worse on tape than jogging when the play is still going. The change of direction is bad, and so is the reaction slash instincts, which is where I thought he was best with the Bengals. So I don't know why he's still playing, to be perfectly honest with you guys. Good thing Needham's back next week, and Ramsey is either back this or the following week, because I don't think we'll see him on the defense very long, the way he's playing and the effort he's giving. They threw a hitch to A.J. Brown, the first play of a drive with you know 9.45 to go in the second quarter. You know how Tua throws it so that, like, by the time the receiver looks back, the ball is right on them. A.J. Brown comes back down the stem on a hitch route, and the ball has not left Hurts' hand. That's late. That should be picked, if not just at least broken up. But he's late to feel it. Then when he, it's time to drive downhill, he's stuck in mud, just boop, 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 not going anywhere, just not moving anywhere. And then that should have been a pick, but it's a catch, and then we miss a tackle too. 104 yards on him on 38 coverage snaps and a touchdown. Terrible. Uh, Perry Nickerson, been a nice find for us. I thought he competed really well. Looks good as a blitzer. He was willing and depending ta- a willing and dependable tackler as well on the perimeter. 25 coverage snaps, no catches allowed. Plus, he had a stop on a screen and a pass breakup that was negated by a penalty that should not have been called. Cater Kohu, it's a tough ask, but he was left on A.J. Brown a lot. And he, I don't know where he's going on the big play that was almost a touchdown where he just is covering Brown and leaves him to go make a tackle on the quarterback. And it's a wide open throw for a long play. I don't know what he's doing there. It, it just looks terrible. Brutal game outside, just like the Buffalo game. I think the Ramsey return and Xavier return as well has a ripple effect that bumps Cater back inside where he's best. And obviously getting Ramsey back helps too, but a really rough game for Cater Kohu. 125 yards, 37 coverage snaps and a touchdown. And then Brandon Jones, just four snaps, but he is he looks law. I don't know where he's going half the time. Snap counts, uh, Liam Eikenberg, I, uh, Kendall Lamb, Hunt, and Jackson all go the distance. Win plays just five snaps to Cotton's 44. Tua goes the distance as well. Receiving breakdown, Hill, 78 percent Berrios and Wilson both 29 percent kind of tells you about how much we're, we're hurting when we don't have our top two guys Waddle did play 45 percent but you just don't have the depth you usually do in this receiving core Claypool played four snaps Smythe played 92 and Julian Hill played 29 so that's kind of your offset to Walla going down maybe some more pass protection reps for Durham Smythe um, running back rotation Mostert 53 percent Ahmed 37 Ingold 24 and Hefe 14 percent Wilkins played all but three snaps Sealer all but seven and Raekwon played 54 snaps while Deshaun Hand played, or 54%, I should say. Deshaun Hand played five total. So we went back to the high workload for Wilkins and Sealer. Chubb, 90% of the snaps. JP, 69%. Some good workload there. Van Ginkle, 60, but some off-ball linebacker stuff. Ogba played three snaps in the game. Jerome Baker played every snap. David Long was out there for a lot, but got injured and played 51%. Duke Riley played 8%. We saw more Van Ginkle off-ball. Kohu and Apple went the distance. Nickerson, the third corner, was 62% of the workload. Elliott went the distance. Holland missed just four snaps. Those were Brandon Jones' snaps. And uh, Elijah Campbell played five snaps. And look, the tape was better than the broadcast. I thought we should not be concerned about how this we come out of this game. I think it's all correctable stuff. I thought Buffalo was substantially worse. And damn it, if we ever get just like most of our key parts back, I think we'll be in good shape in good shape. I, I am personally like a little bit concerned about winning big games, especially on the road, but I think circumstances would tell you Miami played pretty well in this game, all things considered, and had a chance to win the game late. So that's your all 22 review. Quick one today. Let's go ahead and get out of here. We're back on Wednesday for the Patriots preview podcast. In the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Rating and review on, on those podcast apps. Follow me on social at Wingfield NFL. Check out my guy Seth and Juice in the Fish Tank podcast, the YouTube channel for Dolphins Today, media availabilities, and much, much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Carolina Cameron, Daddy. Thank you.